Hi, this is Michael Senoff with Michael Senoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. In this audio interview, a leading psychologist teaches you how to train your brain to get rid of aches and pains, be more creative, and have the productive life you've always wanted. The body is built to work as a harmonious unit with the brain as the helm as its chief executive officer. So it stands to reason that if we look at how the CEO handles its day-to-day functions, we can improve the quality of the whole team. The reasoning is one of the key principles behind the Annette Bennell method. According to Annette Bennell, clinical psychologist and creator of the method, our brain functions in one of two modes, learning or non-learning. Most of us only use the non-learning mode. We don't think about how we walk or pick up a glass. We just do it. But in order to be productive, we need to force our brains to stop giving us the same old, same old. We need to ask it to give us a different and better pattern. And in this audio, you'll hear how to spark your brain into giving you those kinds of new patterns. You'll also hear simple, sometimes even illogical ways to strengthen the brain by making mistakes on purpose. You'll learn how to take the sting out of your aches and pains by reducing the force you use on muscles in everyday activities. You'll learn a simple exercise to do to increase flexibility. You'll learn the real secret behind Albert Einstein's genius. You'll learn a quick look at why we age and how to keep your brain youthful and growing. You'll hear examples of how this method is being used to achieve results for disorders like cerebral palsy, Asperger's, and autism. You'll learn one family's journey with cerebral palsy and exactly how Annette's method is helping them see the kind of dramatic results they've never gotten from traditional Western medicine. With this method, Being lazy is actually good. Most people simply try too hard to get their muscles, their relationships, and their creativity to do more and more. This is actually counterproductive. If you reduce the effort with which you do things, your brain will be forced to give you a better and easier way. And in this audio interview, you'll hear how to train your brain to give you the most efficient ways possible. Now let's get going. Hi, this is Chris Costello, and I've teamed up with Michael Senoff to bring you the world's best wellness-related interviews. So if you know anyone struggling with their weight, with cancer, diabetes, ADHD, autism, heart disease, or other health challenges, please send them to michaelsenoffshardtofindseminars.com. So what is the Anat Banyel method? It is a method that helps you move more fully into your life, both in terms of your body, like stronger and more flexible body and less aches and pains, and also clearer thinking, more energy, more interest in life, and more creativity. Dr. Feldenkrais was one of your early mentors. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about what that was like? Studying with Dr. Feldenkrais was actually magnificent. I started doing his work, not directly with him, when I was about seven or eight years old through my dance teacher. And then in my very early 20s, when I was in grad school to become a clinical psychologist, I found him and started studying with him. And it was a remarkable experience personally because I felt enormous transformation in my body. For instance, I used to be a dancer, and anybody who's ever studied dance knows that you do hours and hours of the same movement by the bar and things like that. And when I started doing the work with him, I would do a 45-minute movement lesson, and then I could do things in dance, in ballet, that I couldn't do my whole life. So I realized that there's another way to approach the body to get better outcomes, and also I found emotionally that things shifted for me in very important ways. 
and then I took a training program with him and got so interested that when I could, I was working as a psychologist and as a clinical psychologist, I shifted over to doing his work, and then over the years I evolved it to become my own method. What I call my method now is the Anad Baniel method, and I'll speak to the principles that I now ascribe to, some of which, of course, are also the principles of his work. The principles are, first of all, the most important one is that our brain is kind of the CEO of our life. It's the CEO of our bodies, it's the CEO of our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions. So the stronger and the healthier and the better our brain is, the better we can do. And everyone, I think, knows that the simplest example is like if anybody ever drank too much and then tried to use their key to open their front door and all of a sudden they couldn't quite figure out how to fit the key into the door, something you do daily without even thinking, that's because your brain was a bit off from too much alcohol. So the brain, we usually don't see it or feel it, but it's extremely important. And with the Anadbaniel method, I've developed what I call in my book, The Nine Essentials, to specifically promote the quality of the functioning of the brain. The first essential is movement with attention. So all of us know that movement is important and really movement signifies life. When If we really stop moving, we are dead. But it's not enough to just move or exercise in an automatic, mindless way. Scientific research shows that when we move and we do not pay attention to ourselves, to our feelings while we move to our movement, our brain doesn't do anything new. But if we start paying attention to our movement, immediately the brain starts forming new connections and looks for better ways to do what we're doing. And we also find ourselves creating new ways of moving and also becoming very creative in our thoughts and in our problem solving. So the first essential is movement with attention. So for instance, something as simple as when you prepare your coffee in the morning, start paying attention to how you move your arm, how tight do you hold your hand. Or if you're a yoga practitioner, when you do some kind of yoga pose, notice how you move, where you could maybe reduce some of the tension. This is the first essential. You can do it in any movement that you do. It doesn't have to be a specific movement. And if you do it like two, three times a day for about two minutes, you will find out that your body actually starts shifting how it feels. Some aches and pains can start disappearing, and you'll have more energy. You'll have more vitality because your vitality is associated with the vitality of your brain. So, for instance, if you are sitting now or somewhere and you can lift your right arm, you know, normally we just lift it and lower it. We don't have to think about it. We know how to do it. But then if you lift your arm and you just pay attention to the feeling in your elbow and then in your shoulder, and then you start paying attention to the feeling in your rib cage on the right side, let's say if you're lifting the right arm, and in your spine, and you notice if there's movement there or not, you'll see that most people in the beginning, when they do this, they move the arm and only their shoulder and neck muscles work and the back and the chest and the pelvis are kind of dead, they're rigid. But once you start paying attention and feeling the different areas in your body, your hip joints, your legs, your knees, they will come to life and all of a sudden lifting the arm will completely change. I'm actually doing that right now and my arm is amazingly heavy. What does that mean? It means that you're not using enough the rest of your body. So let me, for instance, tell you, lift your right arm again and just see if you can start also reaching a little forward as if you're trying to touch something in front of you and at the same time let your pelvis roll forward at the back arch just a little bit and just feel the movement of your arm and feel the movement of your pelvis and do this
maybe two times and then stop for one second. And then, again, lift the arm like this, reaching a little forward. But just feel the soles of your feet and if one foot gets a little bit more pressure when you do that. And then put the arm down again. And now just lift the arm and see if it's a little bit lighter. Wow, that's really fascinating. And it happens immediately. The changes in the brain, the brain moves from doing its old automatic patterns to creating new connections instantaneously once it gets the conditions. And that's why things happen so fast. And most of us, as we grow older, we start moving parts of our body in isolation from the rest of the body. Mm -hmm. And the body is built to work as one harmonious system. I found that out working with musicians. I've worked a lot with classical musicians, you know, San Francisco Symphony, Boston Symphony, Tanglewood Music Festival, places like that. And I realized that musicians got injuries because they were using their arms without the back, the pelvis, which has the most powerful muscles, not participating. And I found ways to get them to get more of their body to move and right away the pain will disappear and their playing will improve at the same time. The learning switch is the second essential and basically what it says is that our brain can either be in a learning mode or in a non-learning mode. And when we're in a learning mode, anything that happens to us actually gives the brain new information and we become very creative and inventive and feel very alive and we problem solve. So like if we look now in the economy, so many people have a hard time and it's not just that we're having a hard time, but it's different. Things are different. So we need to be able to reconfigure ourselves and what we do and how we think about things and the learning switch on is extremely important. So for young children, when they're healthy, that happens automatically. But once we grow up and grow older, we already have patterns that have been working for us. So we just go on automatic, use our old habits. And the way to turn the learning switch on, I'll say very quickly here, and of course in the book there's a lot more details, is that you can know that you can either be with a switch on or the switch off. And by the way, there isn't a real switch in the brain, but it's sort of a metaphor. So you can enter any situation. For instance, if you go to work and it's the same old, same old, Monday morning when you go to work, decide to enter the work situation and decide that you will learn something new in that old situation that you didn't see or notice before. And that will start turning you into a learner. So I got a poster of Einstein from one of my students yesterday, and the face of this man is the face with all the lights turned on in his brain. He's just everything got him to think of something new. So that's the learning switch. It actually gets you to have this joy and appreciation. So it's sort of like one of the prizes from having the learning switch on. It's not just that you are more effective and successful in your life, but also that you feel that sense of newness and appreciation. Absolutely. And the next one I call subtlety, and it's kind of counterintuitive for a lot of people, and that is to improve yourself, to have more vitality, to improve in movement of your body or in your thinking. You need to reduce the effort, the force with which you do things. So, for instance, if you are trying to be better at your golf swing, most people get their muscles to work harder and they try harder. And the thing to do is to actually do it with less effort, not when you're playing a tournament and just do the best you can, but when you have time to practice, when it doesn't matter whether you hit well or not, reduce the effort with which you do things and you will see how your brain will start working for you. Because what that does is it makes the brain feel more and more subtle differences 
And that's the source of information for your brain to give you a better pattern. Because when you do something and it doesn't work as well as you want to or you fail at it, that means that your brain hasn't figured out yet how to do it. Their brain needs information. So reducing the force in exercises, in the way we talk to our children, when we try to get them to do something we want them to do, all parents know that one, and in our emotional interaction with our partners. So that's the third essential. For instance, if you do an exercise routine, let's say bending down to touch your toes, bending sideways, you know, or whatever exercise, very often in a class, in an aerobic class, it's something it's a little hard to do because the teacher paces it very fast, very often, but you can go to the back of the room and you can just do smaller movements and do them with less and less force. And you'll see that within seconds, all of a sudden your body will get more flexible. Or if you're trying to stretch, instead of going down to touch your toes and forcing, instead go less than the full amount, and then in a minute I'll give you another variation that will make it so that within, again, seconds, you'll drop down to your feet more than you have by stretching for the last year or two or ten or twenty. For more interviews on health, mind, body, and spirit, go to michaelsenoffshardtofindseminars.com. So kind of the antithesis of that hard work, sweat, run, get the done type of mentality that's pretty popular. Oh, absolutely. What I say is when you want to get to do something better, you want to get subtle. You want to reduce the force so you get intelligent and you figure out or your brain will figure out for you a better way to do it. When you find a good way that works for you, then you do it harder. Then you do it faster. Then you go longer. But you don't go hard from the start, and you don't just go hard all the time. So you go like, let's say, three times a week to some kind of exercise class, and you just go one, two, three, one, two, three. That's okay. That's better than not doing it. But you don't get better, and what you really are doing, you are really grooving in the existing patterns more and more and more and more, and that's one of the reasons people really get both pains, aches, and also why we age. We stop having a growing, inventing brain. Usefulness, health, vitality is associated with a brain that keeps growing and in creating new possibilities and connections, just like when we were healthy children. Okay, so I would like to move to the next essential, which is what I call it is variation. And variations mean doing things in different ways. So one way to do variations, and that has a lot to do with newness, and everybody knows now that to work against aging, you have to have things that are new. If you just do the same old, same old, it doesn't work very well, and it's kind of like feeling a bit dead in our own life. So one way to do variations is to travel to a new country or go and eat a new kind of food or meet new people, which is very, very good. However, first of all, we can't just go to a new country every day and meet new people all the time, but there is a way that we can bring newness to our life all the time within our daily life, and that is to do what we do in slightly different ways. I call it do mistakes on purpose. So if I always hold the cup a certain way or I always talk a certain way or I always do a movement the right way, for instance, if I take the movement level first, again, let's say you do a yoga pose and you were told to do it a certain way that's the right way for the pose and it probably is the right way for the pose. But for you, if you're not already doing it perfectly, and even if you are, by the way, but most people don't do it perfectly, how are you going to get better at doing it? I would say to you, introduce intentionally small little mistakes. Take the head in the wrong direction. Move the shoulder up instead of down. Lean, put more weight to one side than the other. Round your back instead of arch your back. Do the pose lying on your back instead of sitting up. 
just introduce variations and then go ahead and do the regular pose. And in seconds, you will find that the whole movement is approved for you. It happens really within a few seconds. So that's a way to do variations. Another way, very important in interpersonal relationships, especially with people that are close to us, like family members, we tend to say the same thing, have the same tone of voice, have the same conversation or the same fight over and over and over and over again. And one of the ways to try and bring life to the relationship and improve it is to actually bring variation. So if you usually use a stern voice, use a sweeter tone of voice. If you say certain things, say something else. Or if you say, don't say something, and then say something different. Say something that you think is completely the wrong thing to say that will be really the worst thing. Like, for instance, with my daughter when she was younger, you know, there's always this phase where you have to struggle with them to do homework or with most kids. Anyway, I had to with her in this situation. One day I just looked at her and said, sweetie, just don't do any homework today. Just do whatever you want. Have a lazy day today. The shock on her face was just unbelievable. And I really meant it. And I just walked away. And it was amazing how much more she was ready to do homework because she got worried about the teacher being upset that she didn't do homework. And it changed the whole dynamic. Variations are amazing. They give so much new information to the brain. And our brain just are so hungry for new information. But the moment we give it to the brain, it gets really to be a happy brain. We're going to continue our conversation with a parent that has experienced the Anat Banyel method for their child. The method works for many different types of challenges that children with special needs can face. Anat Banyel has worked with children with cerebral palsy, autism, autism spectrum disorders, Asperger's syndrome, sensory integration problems, scoliosis, genetic disorders such as fragile X, Down syndrome, ADD, and many different learning disabilities, and feeding disorders. So the Anat Banyel method offers a lot of hope for a lot of different conditions. And today we are talking with Kevin, father of Parker, a young boy that suffers from cerebral palsy and has had tremendous success in being treated by Anat Banyel of the Anat Banyel method. Your son has been working with Anat Banyel, the Anat Banyel method, for a while now. How did you guys find Anat and, you know, what kind of things have you been working on? Well, it's really interesting. Anat kind of found us. A neighbor across the street of ours had a contact through Australia. This woman is coming all the way from Australia to see these folks up in San Rafael. Just so happened to be where my wife was born and raised. In fact, we go and stay with Nana and Grandpa, two exits from the center where Anat practices. Our little boy has cerebral palsy and was diagnosed at about age two and a half. And we did about 12 months of what we kind of call traditional therapy, which was stretching exercises for his spastic muscles in his legs and ankles and such. And they put him in leg braces and got him into a walker and tried to put him in the position that would ultimately get him walking. So he was two and a half when we started down that road. We did that until he was about three and a half. And after a full 12 months of doing exactly what the traditional Western doctors prescribed for us, at his 12-month evaluation, his range of motion had actually decreased and his muscles had become more spastic than when we had started therapy 12 months earlier. You know, it was a little bit concerning, if nothing else. Fortunately for my wife and I, as soon as we had this diagnosis of cerebral palsy, we started educating ourselves as best we could as to what was this, what were we dealing with, and what was really going on. And we learned very quickly that this is a brain injury. All that cerebral palsy is is brain damage. Then it's the presentation that determines the therapy. And in our case, it was physical disabilities with very tight, spastic leg muscles. 
the road of doing the stretching and such. Nobody ever addressed the injury in his brain. In the first 12 months of traditional Western medicine, they confirmed that there was a brain injury. They did an MRI. They said, yep, look, there's the part of the brain that was damaged at whatever point. It can happen either in utero. It can happen at birth. It could happen to you or I, Chris, walking down the street, we trip, hit our head, and we get a brain injury. And that brain injury would fall into the classification generally of cerebral palsy. And then it could affect our speech, our cognition, our mobility, our physical presentation, any number of things strictly based on this brain injury. So Parker's presentation was a physical one. So the Western doctors focused on that physicality. Oh, look, his leg muscles are tight. Well, we need to stretch them, and we need to put braces on them. There was never any mention of the injury to his brain. So in our 12 months of trying to educate ourselves, we came across a couple of different schools of thought, and a lot of them were teach the brain or reteach the brain to take over the function. So we've got this little teeny portion of brain that's been damaged. Well, we all know, even it's common knowledge, that we use such a small portion of our brain in general operations. There's all sorts of stuff there that's not being utilized or is being severely underutilized. So when we were turned on to a knot, and found that her whole idea was that we can retrain the brain to take over these functions. It made total sense to us. Now we're dealing with the actual problem with the brain injury. Instead of trying to work it backwards through the physicality, we're now working from a neurological standpoint. Some of it is even used in the way that they retrain stroke victims. The big advantage to stroke victims is if there is one, they had the proper function at one point. So they are relearning it. For these kids that were born with brain injury, they never knew the right way to crawl, to talk. Whatever has been affected, they never knew it the right way. So generally, what the system will do is it will figure out a way to make something happen. So Parker would crawl, but it always looked really funky. His back wasn't involved. It was like there was a broomstick up his back. So with his mobility and his spasticity, his presentation, it looked like his spine was totally fused. When he would crawl, his shoulders and his shoulder blades were not involved at all. Those looked to be totally fused. His hips and his pelvis didn't move at all. So, yes, he crawled, and for lay parents like us, we thought, well, look, he's crawling. And it wasn't until we met Anat, and she said, but we're looking for the quality of the movement. And that's where we started to understand, because these kids never knew the right way to do it, their system has figured out a way to make things happen. And unfortunately, often, it's not quite the right way. They pick up a bunch of these bad habits. So we go to therapy with Anat. After three days, one lesson the first day, two lessons the second day, we go back to the center on the third day, and the practitioners ask us, as they did each day previous, what have you guys seen? Have you seen anything yet? And on the third day, Samantha and I looked straight at them and said, well, he has arches in his feet this morning, which he had never had before. Traditionally, his footprint from infancy until this third day of therapy looked like a brick with toes. And now on the third day, suddenly, he's developed arches in his feet. They looked straight at us and said, apparently, we're doing some good then, and we're going down the right path. And the other amazing thing that we have come to learn with this therapy, and we have been told from the get-go, but it's hard to believe until you actually witness it yourself, is we're not looking for small changes. They don't go through all of this so you can see little minute changes. They want to see big changes, like now he has arches in his feet. And that's exactly what we have seen with this method. We go generally once a month for a week, and we do two sessions a day, two 45-minute sessions, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, for five days straight. And every time that we have come home, and oftentimes during these week-long sessions, we will achieve an amazing milestone. And it's 
things from suddenly being able to swim. Parker's been doing swimming lessons since he was four months old. One of the sessions that we experienced at the end of last summer in August, literally on Tuesday, I would have not at all considered him water safe. He would be the first one to dive in the pool, look to the bottom, and smile and wait for somebody to get him. Not at all water safe. On Wednesday, we're playing with him in the pool, and he takes all those months of swimming lessons and suddenly puts them all together, puts his face in the water, looks straight down at the bottom of the pool, and starts pulling himself across the surface. I'm Chris Costello, reporting for Michael Senoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. So what's it like watching this work with your son? Well, it's the reason that we've devoted our lives to it at this point, to utilize the resources, both time and money, to go once a month and participate in this. We wouldn't be doing it if we didn't see these kinds of results, and we literally see them every time. Every single time we go, there are improvements in balance, improvements in mobility. And what's amazing is the systemic differences that we see. Our focus is to get Parker's legs working properly and to get him upright walking on his own. Right now he walks, but he uses a walker, and the quality of his walk isn't 100%. So that's the direction that we're going. But what we have found is on the path toward that ultimate goal of getting him to walk independently, we find that his hand-eye coordination increases, that his recognition of letters and sounds and abilities cognitively are much sharper than they have been. One of the other experiences that we had during the week with Anat is on Tuesday, he had always been interested in the computer. We do loads of computer work at our home office. He's always been interested, but never been able to do any navigation, didn't have the coordination to utilize the mouse. Again, this was either a Tuesday, Wednesday, or a Wednesday, Thursday rollover, and on the day prior, couldn't do it, totally frustrated. The day after, wanted to play on the computer. We set him up as we always did, anticipating the same outcome. He sat there for two hours, navigating the entire Disney Channel program, playing games, looking at projects, the whole thing. Not, oh, suddenly I can point and click with the mouse, but full navigation of the Disney site. Those are the kinds of changes that we see on a regular basis. Again, if it wasn't something I was visually seeing firsthand, I'd probably be skeptical and kind of shake my head and go, it can't be. I know the brain is an amazing tool, but it can't be. But not only have we seen it in our little boy, but we've made lots of friends there at the center that we see in the waiting room and we chat things before and after lessons. We see them on a monthly basis, and every single month you look at them and go, that's not the same child that I saw last month. And some of these kids are pretty severely affected. We're very fortunate that Parker's been very mildly affected with his brain damage, but the kids that you think of being as more textbooks that are really debilitated, amazing changes. Uh, kids that their eyes would never focus, and now they'll look right at you and respond to questions, and it literally is unbelievable. Kevin, do you have an email address that people can contact you if they need more information? I do. I have a couple of them. You can check the Anatbaneel site directly. That's at anatbaneelmethod.com. A-N-A-T-B-A-N-I-E-L method.com. And my personal email is K as in Kevin, Olnick, O-L-E-N as in Nancy, I-C-K, at MSN.com. That's K Olnick at MSN.com. The thing that I can tell you is that if in your heart you don't see your children improving, that you just hear the stories from the quote-unquote experts, that this is the best you're going to get and this is always the way it's going to be, not at all the case. This method in particular, we've seen kids that are on the autism spectrum, we've seen CT kids, we've seen severe brain injury kids, and every single one of them, we've just seen amazing improvements. So 
would say check this out. Even healthy kids that you think could do even just a little bit better, the brain is an amazing organ, and with the message that Anat uses, we can all benefit. That's the end of our interview, and I hope you've enjoyed it. For more great health-related interviews, go to Michael Senoff's hardtofindseminars.com. That's the end of our interview. I hope you found it interesting. For more great interviews on health, wellness, and fitness, go to Michael Senoff's hardtofindseminars.com.